Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. This is one I've been super excited to do because today we have on a very special friend of mine that runs the Pageant Project. Today we'll be talking with Adrian. We're going to go ahead and bring him into the studio so we can go ahead and get today's episode started. Hello. I was getting so it antsy waiting for that. Oh, it started at 29 because I, I use this software as well. It's like, oh, she started at 29. And I know that song like 29, 28. I'll just do some email over here, 26, 28. Oh, it's three, two. Oh, and then I'm back. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> how it. are yeah, you? That, that has <laughs> definitely been my favorite thing. You actually, you got me all into StreamYard using that now instead of what I was previously using so i really enjoy the software a lot better they have just different things with banners and you can have all the different reels at mm. the bottom and your name can be on it that's a super nice thing before it was just you just saw a picture of someone on the other software i used you didn't see who it was so i really like this so much better but for those who are here welcome my name is casey gibson if you're new to crowning moment i'm super excited to have you here it is on all podcasting platforms and youtube right now we are currently streaming on Facebook and on my YouTube channel. So super excited for anyone that is joining on. And Adrian, I want you to go ahead and tell everyone who you are and I guess a little bit of how we kind of got connected. Who I am. Well, my name is Adrian. I got that part right. Um, I'm from Australia. That's why I have this weird accent. Uh, and I am the founder of The Pageant Project. I think I started interviewing back in 2016. Uh, done over 300 interviews. I've actually lost track because I did some under another business name and I can't remember, but somewhere 300 plus interviews, mostly live, like Casey is doing here. Also released a couple of best-selling pageant books. Um, and that, I love talking to people, love hearing their stories. And then how did we meet? Um, I was trolling through social media, hunting for people to interview. And I saw someone, I can't remember who, had interviewed with you and I'm like oh this this girl does an interview show as well and most of the time I I look at it and go oh it's fine it's just an Instagram live nothing for me to to worry about <laughs> in inverted commas because I don't really credit Instagram lives as genuine interviews because they disappear and you can never find them afterwards but then I saw you were doing like pretty professional level um interviews you seem to like someone who knew what she was doing and you had interviewed some properly big names we've had some we've had some guests in common like um uh, Stephen Roddy from the pageant planet we've we've both chatted to him so I'm like okay um I then forgot that I was looking for interviews and I started trolling through your social media and I got a little bit jealous because you've had some big names on but then I was like you know what I should connect with this girl because she her and I probably have some things in common given what we've been through so I asked you on you were gracious enough to come on eventually after fobbing me off once and changing the date. But I, I don't know why you did that. Apparently I wasn't good enough for you on that day. Um, but then you came on and since then we've had our interview and we've not had a chat that's gone less than three or four hours. Um, yeah. And that's just because I guess we have, obviously we started working together in another capacity with Amazon um, and it's been really refreshing and I'm really quite thankful that I reached out to you because you and I probably are two of the people in this space who do something that's so niche and so we can immediately understand one another. And then obviously we both have a caffeine addiction. We both have yeah. an Amazon addiction. 
Yes. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's been all guns blazing since then, and you never stop. And then I tell you, you should stop, but then I'm mindful that I never stop. So, <laughs> a lot in common. That And that's really funny you bring that up. I actually, it probably was like six months, and we'll wrap up to why I uh, canceled the first interview. I mean, it was probably like six months before you reached out. I scrolled over, and somebody, oh gosh, who did you interview with? I feel like it was one of the United States girls. You had interviewed with them. No, it was Presley, who is in USA National Miss. Um, yeah, Rocky Top. Yep. Go Vols. It was her. It was her. And I had seen an interview that you had done in the past with her when she had a different title. And I was like, who is this guy? Because you know, at first you kind of get like, this is my territory. How you get dare competitive. they? Yeah. And it, I mean, it's it's a tough area being in pageants. Like, especially it's a very, very, very specific niche of an area. And so when I saw your your thing i'm like who is this guy and then i start scrolling and i'm like he's interviewing people left and right and i remember calling my mom and i'm like mom like there's this pageant project and i don't know who it is and i couldn't find until finally i saw seeing like your videos of your face once i got further down i'm like who is this i hadn't gone to the youtube hadn't seen anything yet i just saw you were interviewing so many people and in my brain i'm like mom how is he doing this how does he have time to do this and at the time i was i didn't know it was a he she whoever was interviewing i was like how do they have time to do this and after that and then after a while i just kind of like you know i was like okay i'll keep an eye on these people i don't know what they're doing (laughs) but they're doing something good and after a while that's when you you messaged me and i'm like okay maybe this is a good time to you know get in and get interviewed by them so then i can kind of see how they do things and then i realized it was you so then honestly and from that initial thing like you've taught me so much more about things that i didn't even know in the past year and a half of doing crowning moment and so for the reason of me canceling the other one, um, I actually, I work multiple jobs. I call them my side hustles. So I actually ended up having to work that evening. And yeah. since we're in two different time zones, I had to cancel on it. And I felt so bad. But when I was looking at your stuff, I was like, why are only I can schedule at nighttime? Because normally I do most of my recordings during the day or during my lunch breaks, whatever I can during my real job. Yeah. And so that's when I realized, I was like, something's not right here. So then I looked up what time is it at this time zone in my time zone? I'm like, oh my goodness, he's in Australia. That's yeah. when two plus two started equaling four and I finally put everything together. But that was the purpose of me canceling the first one. I actually, no, like I said, I have multiple side hustles. So yes. I had to go do my second job and I work at a beverage co. So it's like a really cool like wine bar. It does look area. cool, by the way. I looked it up um and like the things it has there i like i want to go there it, like as cool like was it 10 taps and like the 10th one is always like a a weird craft or kombucha and yeah. i love kombucha and alcoholic kombucha mm. has become a thing so i'm like i really want to try that yeah it's always unique and they always have a margarita and a prosecco on tap which i love bubbles bubbles a are margarita favorite. on tap yes oh, that's dangerous that, oh, that is so dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> Just put but me under was... the tap. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the thing is I felt really bad about canceling, but also I was like, I don't know this guy. <laughs> it's okay. It's, so when no, I re- I, you didn't cancel it. You rescheduled it, to be clear. I'm just, exactly. I'm just having a laugh. But like, that's why, I mean, you've seen the automation that comes through. That's why the rescheduling link is there so that you can use it. And I do appreciate the fact that you are busy enough to have to reschedule and also that you were professional enough to let me know more than 24 hours in advance. Thank yes. you for that. I You're have welcome. bad experiences with people who less than 24 hours notice. And I'm like, 
no, I don't want to interview you anymore. No. Honestly, I mean, I feel like for this episode, I kind of just want to give them the tea because both of us see the behind the scenes side of doing pageants and stuff. And sometimes people don't realize how they may act or, oh, I lost a ring light, how they may act or what may, that made me go, I'm white again. Amazon. <laughs> I know, you can again. get a really good one. <laughs> Let me turn my other ring light up. I, we've been messing with my lighting this whole time. So if you're not watching on video form of this, definitely check this out on YouTube so you can see and watch my light go out just now. That's hilarious. I was recording before this, so I ran out of juice. But uh, Amazon, I have to get me a new ring light. Absolutely. Um, but going on the side of it, People don't get to see, you know, if they reschedule, if they do a no-show. I know for myself, I've had a few no-shows in my time period of mm -hmm. doing crowning moment. And it's painful because some of these people, like, yeah. I look up to. And I'm, like, super excited to interview them. And then they they don't show up. And it's so painful. Like, it really hurts because I'm, like, these are people that I've been watching compete for years and years and years. And sometimes I'm that little girl that's looking up to them. Like, they have other people staring at them, like, while they're actually competing. And so mm. I want to kind of ask you, have you ever, like, gone into a situation where somebody just get a complete no-show on you? Dev, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't want that to be like uh, I'm saying anything bad about pageants. I mean, I feel some there are some people in life who just let you down. And then yeah. it's up to you, like, how many times you want to let them let you down before you let them go. Um, and, I, to, like, to be completely clear, I don't think of them as bad people. I know some people have issues scheduling stuff or they don't have a calendar. But to me, one of the things that I learned from that is that I have to value my time and respect my time. Because for me, if I said I'm going to do something, I would never not show up. Like I can count on one finger the number of times that I didn't show up to something because I forgot. And it was like a whole convolute. And it wasn't to do with pageants. It's back when I was tennis coaching. Um, that Like one time where I just forgot. I didn't know that I had something on. But to, to answer, like in terms of tea, you know, pageant girls always ask me for advice. I don't know if you get this because, you know, you and I have both connected with so many people. So they want to pick our brains and I'm fine with that. Um, but people are always looking for like the secret to win, like some deep, meaningful thing that they've never heard of. And honestly, I've been thinking more and more, Casey, that honestly, the one thing you can do to stand out in today's crowded world is just to be professional. Honestly, just if you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to message me something by tonight, it's tonight. If you don't do it by tonight, it's okay. But just tell me, oh, sorry, you know, because to me, manners, respect, and professionalism. And I swear to God, that will make you stand out from about 80% of your competitors already. Just do what you said you were going to do. Do it when you said you were going to do. And if you can't do it, apologize. But also stop saying yes if you're not going to do it. I would much rather someone tell me, no, I don't want to do it. No, I can't do it. Then say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. And then, you know, how do I book in? Send them the message. And then five months later, you're like, so uh, about that interview. And then when they do want to book in, they're like, oh, I can't find anything this week. Yeah, because I'm booked out three or four months in advance. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> As you know, this takes time. So yes. I don't want to be doing one every day. I try to limit it to one or two a week at most because otherwise I have no time to do anything else. But um, that, that, that's what I've learned. And I don't take it personally. I used to. Now, now I just, you know, pe pe we're all humans. So we're yes. all flawed. And even if you look up to someone, doesn't mean they're perfect. Um, but you learn your lessons. And I don't think I really 
I used to get nervous interviewing big names. Now I really don't because it's like, you're a person, I'm a person, let's have a chat. And if you don't respect me because you think you're better than me, well, that's a conversation for you to have with someone else. But um, it is a very interesting industry. Um, it is one that teaches you a lot about yourself. Um, and I think the only thing that has kept me going is meeting people, meeting people such as yourself um, who live on the other side of the world. And I was just thinking about this before I jumped on. I was like, there's no way that I would have met you if it wasn't through pageantry, first off, but secondly, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing. So doing what you do, doing what I do, we're doing something that we love and we're putting out in public. And that's a chance for other people to connect with us, which is what keeps me going. Because I can have like a one conversation with someone on the other side of the world and it's a really good conversation. Then I can get off the call and go, wow, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I don't remember what the question was, Casey. This is what no, happens you're... to me when someone interviews me. I, I start going on a rant and I'm like, what was the question again? But no, that, I... that's what I would say. Be professional. No. Just do what you say you're going to do and you won't believe how far that will take you. And I promise you, directors want that as well. <laughs> you know, you yes. sign a contract, <laughs> guess what? You actually have to follow the, the contract. So do what you say you're going to do. Do it when you say, you, you, you know, you're going to do it. And if you can't do something, that's okay. But just apologize. Be respectful of other people's time, other people's attention. And if someone goes out of their way to help you, I don't care if they have one follower on Instagram and you have a million. Be respectful of them. They're a person as well. And you never know, things can come back to bite you very oddly sometimes. You know, when you treat someone badly, what goes around comes around. So, Oh, it, it truly does. And one of those things I know I can speak from experience. And it wasn't with a person. It was with a brand. Mm. I, you know, you have TikTok. TikTok works really fast. And within 12 minutes, I had basically burned an entire bridge that I never knew would be a huge huge opportunity and possibility for me with a um a pageant uh resale company we'll go with that i won't say right. names but we we can pick up what the only pageant resale dress store company sure. app there is nowadays um i had tried to sell an item on there and i mean i just was like wow like these prices were crazy at the time they were very new very fresh and i tell you within 12 minutes i swear their entire marketing team had seen the video i had a five page email a book email from the CEO of the company telling me why she started the company and explaining each detail I talked about in my TikTok. And afterwards, it was like 12 minutes. And I'm like, Ugh, you know, I, I just want to take it down. I said what I needed to say. And now I realize to say what I need to say in the mirror or to myself, I'm not going to go and put it on social media. I learned my lesson within 12 minutes. And so I understand. Um, but the thing is, it's not that we're upset with these situations we run into. I mean, they do bite. Sometimes you're like, dang, I really want to interview this person. Mm. Or, you know, someone cancels on you and you're like, well, darn. But then in my mind, I think to myself, I'm like, you know what? That may be a blessing in disguise because maybe yeah. I needed more time to edit a podcast or maybe I need more time to post or look for things to put on my social media. Um, but another point that you had kind of talked about in the middle of all that was kind of just being professional in all of it. One of the things I actually had a mom 
I was doing, I had an Easter giveaway on my podcast that happened last week and it was super cute little eggs. I tied in my Amazon and was able to, you know, do a little live with it and show people what I was making for it. But I had a mom that one of the girls had won. And so I reached out and was like, Hey, can I have your address? And the mom and the girl wouldn't respond to me. And I was like, I just want to send you this adorable little egg. Like I'm not a creeper. (laughs) I'm literally not. I'm not going to dox you. Yeah, exactly. And so I and I, I felt bad because after I thought about it, I was like, you know, maybe straight up asking someone for their address yeah. through social media is a little weird. And so I got to figure out a different way to do that. But we're talking about, you know, giving advice to people. The mom was like, or the girl was like, hey, can my mom call you? And I'm like, absolutely. You know, here's my phone number. Give me a call. Give her my pageant mm-hmm. number. Because um, I got two phones. We, we, we're not giving out That's personal smart. numbers here. Um yeah. And so I gave her my page number and we chatted and I ended up talking to this mom for almost an hour and a half because we chatted about she, you know, she's new to the system they're competing in and they want to know about social media and all these different skills. And in my brain, I didn't realize the amount of knowledge, especially I know you have, but I have out of being on social media, learning how to brand myself, learning how to brand my own mm. basically little mini empire of crowning moment. This mom was just blown away. And I'm like, yeah, this is an Instagram reel. This is a TikTok. This is a highlight. Like it blows people's mind. The things that I can easily do or you can easily do, Mm. edit a video, post it. And she she asked me, she was like, are people like paying social media strategists, people to do this for them? Are they paying someone to do this? And in my brain, I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure because I just know that that we've learned how to do this. I don't yeah. know how some people do it. They post so much. And in my brain, I'm like, I, sometimes I get tired. I'm like, I just have to set the phone down. I cannot do another Instagram post today. <laughs> like, it's a struggle. But have you ever, like, had those instances where you're like, I want to put the phone down. I don't want to do an interview today. Like, how do you get over that side of things when you have to do these things, even though you may not want to sometimes? <laughs> have I ever been interviewing someone and realized halfway through it was a giant mistake? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> We'll get into that later. Um, you know, when they tell you that you should do something that you love, uh, and so I go back and forth on that piece of advice because, like, on one hand, if you do something you love but no one wants to buy, we're talking about like a career, right? Like, just because you love it doesn't mean anyone's going to buy it. So, just necessarily doing something that you love is not necessarily good advice by itself. But on the other hand, it is really true. You ask me what gets me through, it's just because I love doing it. Um, I, I don't, I've never. I've obviously woken up some mornings and just gone, oh my God, I'm not feeling it. Uh, You know, hit the snooze button 5 billion times, five liters of coffee and just not really feeling it. But at the end of the day, um, I do it because I love it. And you never know when you speak to someone how far that connection can take you. Like, I mean, even us connecting, it's gone beyond pageantry, obviously, to the other stuff that we're working on. And if I hadn't, like, I really do think about it. If I hadn't reached out, what what would I have missed out on? And I trace that all the way back, like to the beginning of my pageant journey. It's like when I decided, you know what, I'm going to interview pageant girls and see where it takes me. It literally was that. And so many people go, oh, but what, you know, perfectionism creeps in. Like, oh, what if I can't do this? What if I can't do that? And I think that's the wrong way of thinking about it because then you'll never get started. I didn't know how to do any of this when I got started, but I was like, you know what, I'll figure it out because this is interesting to me. So to answer your question, I enjoy it. I love it. Like I love having conversations. You obviously know that. Um, I love having deep and meaningful conversations just on the drop of a hat. Um, 
And if someone asks me a question, obviously I can't shut up as you're seeing right now, <laughs> but it's because I love what I do. And so for me, even when it's hard, it's not. And I say this as someone who I really respect uber disciplined people. Like you talk about someone like your, your Jocko Willink or your David Goggins, and they're just absolute machines. I respect that hugely. And I wish I could be more like that. I'm not. But when it comes to doing this, I am because I love it so much. But also I take a certain amount of pride and respect in being professional, as I said, which is why I think I really dislike it when someone doesn't show that back to me. Because it's like, if I had to cancel something, I would give you notice. And if I couldn't give you notice, I'd make sure you understood why. That's important to me. So I think it's about loving what you do, especially when it's a side hustle. That newsflash, I'm not getting paid a million dollars to do an interview, just so you know. I'm doing it because <laughs> I love doing it. I'm doing it off my own back. I could be doing something else, but I love getting to meet people. And I love hearing their stories. Because I don't care what crown you have on your head. There's something that makes you tick. And there's something about that that I want to know. Like, I want to learn something from everyone I meet, not just in interviews. But, like, when I jump on an interview, like, with you, and we talk about all sorts of things. Then afterwards, you know, we talk about things like politics and all that sort of stuff. I love getting to know what makes someone tick. It's just, like, an insatiable hunger for me. So, obviously, being an interviewer, that, that's probably a good life choice. Um, I told you I want to make, like, the dream job would be a talk show host. But if you love what you do, they say you don't work a day in your life. And I guess at the end of the day, it's true. Like, it's never felt like, oh, I have to do this. It's like, no, I, I chose this. Like, I chose this. And yes, it's going to be highs and lows. But I, I will bring myself to an interview if I'm doing it more so than I'd probably do for anything else, just because I love it so much. So that's the answer to that. Yeah. And I, I mean, you kind of answered it a little bit. But I want to know, like, why pageant girls? Like, what really brought you into wanting to interview this community? Because it's it's small mm. but big at the same time. Once you kind of start digging into it, there's there's a pageant girl on every corner, I swear. <laughs> Make them sound like beggars here on every street corner. <laughs> holding a cardboard. We'll wear a crown for food. <laughs> I shouldn't joke about that. Uh, well, to cut a long story short, because it is a very long story, I was coaching tennis at an all-girls school and that as a guy was pretty confronting for me because I'm, as a, when I say as a guy, I'm a fairly empathetic guy as well. So when I see, you know, a lot of girls complain, oh, they're, they're, they're man or whatever, just can't notice when something's wrong. And I'm like, I've never been that person. Like I, I can spot when something's a little bit off, I can see it. And so I was working with, it was a private all-girls school um, maybe not the best environment for a young girl to grow up in. It has advantages and disadvantages. But um, I saw that there were big issues that the girls were facing. And this was sort of just as social media was beginning to take off. Um, but I remember coaching a girl and I saw parallel lines on her forearm. And I was like, I didn't say anything, but I was like, I wonder what's that? And then my boss at the time pulled me aside and said, oh, her mom told us that she had been cutting herself. And I, I'd never heard of that at that stage. And I, I looked into what it was and then why people do it. I don't judge anyone because, like, you got a reason for doing it. I may not understand it, but you got a reason. No one's crazy. you got a reason for doing whatever you're doing. Um, but, see, when you look at that, you, in my position, I go, okay, why is that happening? Like, for example, the, the vice captain of the school at the time, at one of the years that, that I was there, 
had a very severe eating disorder. She was smart, obviously athletic, being vice captain um, of, our, of the tennis team. And I was like, why would someone who achieves so much and does so well have such an issue? And there was bullying. I don't need to, have to, t- I don't need to tell you this, like all the issues that you can imagine. So I decided, oh, well, what can I do to help? Because what's the good of seeing a problem and then just say, oh, that's terrible. And then you move on. Well, I wanted to yeah. do something. So I thought what I would do is I would interview people. Because I'd always been fascinated by picking people's brains. Because one of my mentors, he would interview people just to pick their brains. He'd say, I'll pay someone $100 to take them out to dinner because I want the information that's in their head because it could be worth a million dollars. So I'll happily pay, pick up the tab for dinner. So I started doing that. I started interviewing people. This was back before lives were a thing. So it was had to be in person, three cameras set up, two, two microphones, a whole nine yards. And I didn't start interviewing pageant girls initially. But what I started doing was interviewing women who I thought were good role models. Um, And I didn't want them to be celebrities because I thought that could give you a very skewed perspective. So just ordinary, everyday people who you'd never heard of, but they were doing amazing things. And then fate goes, okay, well, the the second person I interviewed happened to be a pageant girl. I was like, oh, I didn't know what pageants were. Um, Interviewed her. And she was smart. She was driven. She was all that stuff. So then your brain starts questioning, oh, maybe this preconception about models, because she was also a model, models or pageant girls is incorrect. So if you haven't, if I have an incorrect perception, I want to change it. I don't like just assuming things about industries or people. So I went to her uh, fundraiser. I still remember where it was. And um, she was actually won a bike. <laughs> I won a mountain bike in the raffle, but I gave it back because I was so far away from home and I had no way of taking it back that I let (laughs) someone else take it. I just remember that now. But I met a bunch of pageant girls there. And then one becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight. At some point, the live thing was taking off. The technology got to the point where I could comfortably interview someone overseas. So I jumped on that as soon as I could. But that tells you why or how I got into it. The why that got me into it, like why it keeps me going is because there are a lot of preconceptions out there um, about not just pageantry, but about women, about women who are, let's say, good looking. Um, It's like, oh, you're good looking and you're smart. Wow. And I'm like, why why should that surprise you? I'm that sort of person. I I don't like assumptions and I don't like archaic stereotypes either. So I really go into it to help young women tell their stories because, and that's why most of my interviews you see, they're like, well, even of our conversations, you can see, I don't get done quickly. Like I like to dig into what makes someone tick because I think that conversation not only helps me, it can really help them. Um, But I realize that some, not all, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not naive to think that everyone in pageantry has an amazing story to tell and everyone's amazing, but that's true in life as well. But you meet some people. And you hear behind the stories, like I'm sure you have, like what they've gone through and yet they keep going and they don't even talk about it. They don't do it for acknowledgement. They don't do it for kudos. They don't do it for clout. They just do it. And those people really inspire me on a daily basis. Like, and it's not an age thing either. Like I have a friend in Texas. um, This is when you're talking about people who do content creation for a living. She pulled out, actually, she's the one who's on the cover of my new book, well, the proposed cover, um, Natalie, over in Texas. She pulled out of college to pursue her dream of starting up an agency. And within like three or four months, she's now earning like five figures, like a ridiculous, like six figures already. 
Um, but and she's only like 21 or something. And I met up with her when I was in Texas and I was blown away by what she had gone through negatively in pageantry, how she had come out of the other side of that stronger, more determined. She realized that pageantry wasn't for her. She's not doing it anymore. She had a negative interaction with a very famous coach who treated her really rubbish, but she didn't let that break her. And she just goes, you know what? That's about them. It's not about me. Moved on. That's incredibly inspiring to me at, at any age. But see, I only think I can really meet people like that through pageantry. This is what keeps me in because pageantry, for some reason, is like it's dangling like a light in front of a moth to people like you. There's people who want to achieve but also want to achieve something that's about more than just themselves. And you have all these multidisciplinary talents. A lot of you are very entrepreneurial, you know, case A in point. <laughs> And it, it attracts you, but you're all from different walks of life. You're obviously from different corners of the globe, but you all come together. And I was like, have you ever thought about why? Like what, what at, at its core, what brings you all together? Is it the fancy dresses? No. Is it the crown? No, because 90% of you never will wear a crown. So why do you keep coming back? Oh, and that's what I've been on the search for. And I think at the heart of it, when you meet some of these people that everyone looks up to, there's a real reason for it. But the issue is in social media, you can't get to it. You can hardly explain someone's heart and soul in a 2200 character Instagram caption, can you? So that's what keeps me going. I like to dig, dig, dig until I find out what makes that person tick. And especially they're inspiring. Like I need to know what they know. And on, honestly, like I'm not super enthused about where the world is headed at the moment. And it just gives me life. It gives me breath to connect with people such as Natalie or such as yourself, young people who are killing it, young women who are killing it, which is an extra, you know, an extra burden. But then you also have been through tough times, but you don't let that define you because I have no time for victimhood. And that could get me into trouble saying that. But I say that as someone, I think about that again this morning. I was sexually molested on a train when I was in high school. I never told anyone that by another man, right? I didn't even know what was happening. And then afterwards you realize I was mugged rather comically during high school. We can get into that as to why it was comic, but I've been mugged. I've been molested. I've been suicidal twice. Yet you will never hear me say, feel sorry for me or say, oh, I can't do this because. So I really like surrounding my inner circle with people who are like, yeah, you can do it. Go and do it. Not naively blind people. Just like, oh, yeah, you can do anything you want. They're like, okay, but Yes, you can do it. It would be tough, but here's how you do it. Like the conversations we've had, like I've shown you some things and, you know, you've taken it on. And I said, that's what I've been looking for. So I respect people with that, the chutzpah to go and get it. Yes, you've gone through tough times and you go and do it anyway. That's what I really admire. And I find people like that are drawn to pageantry and most specifically people who can't stop competing. They will stop at some point, but they come back again and again, and again, and they don't necessarily win. They get knocked down again, and again, and again, they come back. <laughs> and people from the outside are like, she's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, she is crazy, but but there's something here. There's something, as I said, no one's crazy. Like everyone's got a reason. And I need to find out what that reason is because she's getting knocked down again and again and again. And yet she keeps going and she's an amazing person. She's a role model. She doesn't brag about it, genuine role model, right? And I need to find out what that is. But then I also want to interview them so that I can spread it out to other people. Because I'd like to think 
I can make a small influence. Like if you look up to someone, but you hear an interview, a long form interview, you can learn something about them that really motivates them. You don't just see the photo and the pretty photo and the gown and the bikini, whatever, but you get to see what really makes them tick. And if you're like me, and you probably are, because you do this crazy job as well, that's probably what drives you as well. It's like when you have a good interview with someone that you look up to and respect, or even someone that you didn't really know came out of left field, and you go, wow, that's amazing. Like, how do you do that? Because that would break 80% of other people. And yet here you are, you're going about your day, you're not looking for kudos, you're not looking for clout, and you're just amazing. So that, that's how I got into it. But then that's also what keeps me going. It's meeting those people. And I don't know, honestly, if I'd be able to meet people like that through any other industry. There's something about this industry. As troublesome as it can be at times, it's just addictive. I mean, it really is because the stories that people can tell you, they'll just blow your mind. You're like, how are one, I'm glad you're here is normally how that conversation starts. And two, yeah. it you know, what did you do to get through that? And it is really hard because some of those people that you've looked up to for years and years mm. and years and years, they have had the strongest and hardest battles mm. to go through to get where they were. And yeah. that's the one thing when I, because I was like, you know what, my goal last year, I was like, I want to interview Miss USA, not knowing she'd win Miss Universe, had no idea. And then I was like, I want to interview Miss America. Like that was honestly, like that was my goal period for the podcast. Yeah. And then I was just going to swipe it and let it go. But then after I did that, my brothers both asked me, why, why are you going to stop now? Like wh what's next? And I'm like, mm. well, there's always another Miss America. There's always another Miss USA. There's always another Miss Universe. There's so many mm. more pageant systems out there to get snow people from just like you are you're doing the exact same thing you're like i want to know why you do this why do yeah. you continue to come back even if you win because being a winner of a national system or a different title or even just winning like your local high school pageant sure. going into the next pageant you have this like unspoken unsaid pressure of like everyone's oh, yeah. watching you they know who you are and sometimes, like, that really can break a person mentally mm. going into this next competition. So it's even the winners. Like, why do you go back? I'm not asking you why you go back because you already won. No. I'm asking, like, why do you go back? Like, you know this is going to be a hot seat. You're sitting in a hot seat. I know oh, one yeah. of the girls um, that has done USA National Miss. She went and won um, International United Miss. And now she's doing America's Ideal Miss. She's, like... This is someone who's won two different national titles and she's getting ready to go do Ideal Miss. And in my mm. brain, because I'll have her on the podcast, it's Allie Ingram. And I'm, I'm excited to ask her, like, how does that feel? Why do you continue to go back? Because she's great. She is a good mm. pageant girl. But how did like you're in a hot seat every time she walks into a room, every time she goes to another pageant, they're always it's got her pressure. eyes on her. Right. Yeah, there's, the, and there's a thing like yeah. I, I have a very good friend who stayed with me uh, from the UK. She was Miss Universe Great Britain. And she's now announced that she's competing in Supranational, which no offense to Supranational, um, but it's not Universe. Like nothing is like Universe is a name brand. Right. So you think, OK, why would someone who's already been Miss Universe GB Great Britain cracked top 16 at Miss Universe? What could you like if you go to Supernational, you don't win, everyone's going to say, ah, uh, you know, it was a fluke her winning Miss Universe GB, or she's not really everything that she's tatted out to be. But here's the thing that pressure, some people react really well to pressure, and some people don't. 
it's like what they say, like being forged, you know, you only forge diamonds through pressure um, and fire makes some people or breaks some other people and it consumes other people. And it's really, really true. Um, like I, when I was going through a first aid course, this is a tangent, but uh, obviously it's crisis training as part of it. Like some, like a big box has fallen on someone or someone's had a leg crushed or something like that. And in crisis, and I've been in some crises, like uh, my sister collapsed at a restaurant when we were down in Melbourne just went down. She was having a hypoglycemia, the, the, the low, she was diabetic, low blood sugar, and she had had her insulin too early, and then she just fell on the floor. And you see everyone, because it was a crowded restaurant, right? When someone hits the floor like that, that's when you find out who everyone truly is. So you see some people freeze. You Some people try to make it all about them, that those are the worst types. Um, I'll give you, like, my, both my parents are doctors. My brother now is also a doctor, Right. And this waiter decided to, you know, oh, you know, I'm a I'm a first aid person, you know, stand back. And she didn't get a very warm response from my parents. They're like, we're doctors. You can just basically bugger off now. But I'm not a doctor, but I always want to be helpful in a crisis and keep a clear head. And I'm good at that. So one of the things I tell you, for example, is you've got to get someone to call the ambulance. You do not say someone call an ambulance because then no one does it. You say you have you got a phone. Can you call the ambulance, please? You tell one person. But pressure to me is this might sound weird but it's exciting like i think without the pressure and without the competition what drive do you have in your life and this is when people say oh i want to feel safe safe is a cemetery like the only people who don't have problems are, are six feet below so if you don't have any problems you better get down on your knees and pray for some because otherwise <laughs> something's going terribly wrong but you know problems are a part of life casey and so you know, sometimes, and the thing is, I think the game is to proactively create problems for yourself that are better quality problems. You're always going to have problems, but are your problems the same, better or worse quality than 10, 20 years ago, right? You're too young to probably remember 20 years ago. But, you know, it's like in a business, oh, the first problem is how am I going to make payroll, right? But then maybe 10 years later, the problem is, oh, we have 10 amazing um, interviewees for the CEO position that's a million dollar position and I can't decide which one. That's a problem, but it's a much better quality problem than I can't make payroll. So when I see people, and again, this is why you got to you got to really find out what's going on. It's really dangerous to make assumptions. And pageantry is really bad for that. Like from the outside, people just make assumptions about you guys. But when I see someone going in to compete again, particularly if I know that person, I'm like, I can understand it. Like she's competitive, she she's young, she wants to give it another go, she wants to push herself. Because pageantry, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't enter a pageant, to be clear, because I don't think I could deal with that level of pressure when it's so subjective. Can we just talk about that for a second? Because I'll play tennis till the cows come home, no problems with that, but balls in, balls out, call the score. If I tried my best and then I lost, but I didn't know why, that's a whole other pressure for you guys to go through. So for someone to willingly throw themselves headfirst into that again and again and again, and again, and again, and again, 10 years, 15 years. At some point, yes, you probably have a problem. But <laughs> that pressure and people who are attracted to the competitiveness, especially girls, because I say this as someone who's advocated for women's empowerment my whole life, got a best-selling book on women's mental health. So many times girls get told you shouldn't be competitive. Oh, it's not a ladylike quality. You know, don't, don't compete. Just be nice. It's like, ugh. And then I meet a few girls who are like, you know, what? screw that. I'm, I, I want to win this thing. And I'm like, yeah, you go. Like, do that. Because that's you. That's you speaking your truth. You go do you. And these girls, yourself included, like if you think about who you would have been without pageantry, 
you wouldn't be probably half the person that you were with if you'd never done it. No, and it's not, not. It's not giving the kudos. It's not giving the kudos to the pageant. You did the work, but the pageant gave you the impetus or the motivation to do the work, right? Nothing will get you in shape faster than, oh, you got to appear in a bikini in front of a thousand strangers in two oh. weeks. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going for the run now. That's okay, yeah, bye. No, I need that donut. But, you know, if you don't have that pressure, you don't have that competition, then you don't have that motivation. And who wants a life without motivation? And as I said, if you don't proactively seek out challenge, it comes for you anyway, but in a much worse form. Like if you go and enter in a pageant and you're like, I've got to get into shape, that's pressure but that's proactive. You've gone and sort that out. Whereas if you don't do that, 10 years later, when you're 50 pounds, 100 pounds overweight and you have a coronary event, like I think a third of them are fatal the first time, the challenge will come for you, but in a much worse way. So I, I give like huge kudos to you guys who go into pageantry, A, because I could never do it. But the ones who go in again and again and again, I know you've done this. I understand it. Like you want to become the best version of yourself. And even if you don't win, at the heart of it, you know that you've become a better person. And I really think that's all that matters at the end of the day. I absolutely agree with all of that. And that's why I'm just listening and taking in, thinking about different parts that I've had to go through or different people I had to run into. Because if I didn't deal with those hardships or those maybe possible terrible yeah. people in my life, I wouldn't be who I am today. And so 100%. every moment that I had to go through that, whether it was hard, yeah. it was easy, or it was just one of those like a, ugh, got to do this again. Yeah. I would not be here. I would not be who I am. Yeah. And I truly am very thankful for all of the things I had to go through. Good, bad, ugly, everything in between. Because Remember truly, that. Remember that next time you go through a moment like that is a thing. Like I, I had a friend who put up on Instagram, like, God never gives you a challenge that you're not capable of like dealing with. And when I yes. read that, you stop and you have to read that again. It's like, oh, so this challenge I'm going through now, not only is it here for a reason, but I can deal with it. Oh, okay, let's do this. You know what I mean? So absolutely, yeah. like you wouldn't, and it sounds trite to go through it. Like I've been through difficulties. My sister, the diabetic one, she passed away when she was about your age and was very unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, and it completely broke, broke our family. Um, now, I'm not saying I wish that it happened, but it's what you take from it. Like that can be defining. That can be the end. But like, oh, life's terrible, and it can be. But life's terrible, it's meaningless. Why bother? And if that's the meaning you make up, then you're done. And we see that, unfortunately, play out again and again. But if you can take something, even when you're struggling with something, whether it's a job, whether it's finances, whether it's pageantry, whether it's relationship, and it doesn't mean you keep going at that same one. Sometimes the, the hardest decision is to cut something off. No, this job is not good enough for me. No, this person is not good enough. This relationship doesn't serve me anymore. It can be really tough to know when to move on. But you guys you who tackle, who take life on and take pageantry on, it's really inspiring. But that's only because I know what going into a pageant is like from speaking to so many of you. It's not all just like, oh, fun games, wear a pretty dress. It's serious work. Yeah. And by the way, it's serious finances and it's serious stress. Yeah. So I want to I wanted to know why you guys would willingly do that to yourselves in your case repeatedly and for some people that I know 15 years in a row and it's like ah I can either look at you as crazy and I think you are because I think the best people in the world are crazy but there's also a nugget there that's something to really respect because isn't that resilience like you get knocked down again and again and again and again sometimes really unfairly but if you can learn something from that and become a better person 
then that's the whole game of life. I don't think the game of life is to win. I think the game of life is each day try and get better, try and get better, try and get better. And I by no means have mastered that lesson, but I like to think of that as just each day can I be 1% better, 2% better. And then hopefully at the end of it, you know, I think Gary Vaynerchuk, the entrepreneur, he says, what's, what's my end goal? I want lots of people to be at my funeral. That's, you know, probably not a bad goal to have at the end of the day. It really, I, I think that's a great goal to have because that means you've either touched that many people through mm. your words, through what you've done, through whether it's your community, whether it's your social media, whatever you're doing it on, you're really reaching out there. You have a really wide wingspan, as I like to say it. You've mm. networked with so many people out there that they all had a little piece of you with them. So they're going to come yeah. to it. I definitely think that's a good way to look at that. Along with, I think you learn the most from failing or having the hard times rather than you do the oh, good yeah. ones. You're like, okay, I did that. Move on to the next. But there's, there's a life coach who's, who's one of his favorite sayings. He says, when people, when people um, succeed, they tend to party. When people fail, they tend to ponder. And that's really mm. true. So you're exactly right. You don't learn much from success. In fact, there are a lot of people out there who are very successful. So I don't, I don't want anyone to tell me about oh, how well you did. All I want is a criticism. Like, I'm not saying you need to be that extreme, but it's Gordon Ramsay, actually. And he goes, you know, with his, with his Scottish accent, he goes, oh, in my kitchen, I don't, I don't give a F. Because <laughs> he's Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I don't give a F about the, 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 the kudos and, you know, people blowing smoke up your, you know, again, another swear word. He goes, all I care about is a criticism. That's what I want to hear. Give it to me every day. Like, I want to know what I could do better, what the team could have done better. And the guy is uber, uber successful. So you're absolutely right. We learn we learn if we're willing to learn mm -hmm. from our failures in inverted commas. But you also have a choice in that moment to blame, which a lot of people do. And in that case, I don't blame. I don't blame people, not because I'm so some good person, but if I blame someone, I've taken away my power to do anything about it. If you lost because it's the director's fault, it's the judge's fault, or it's that girl who had more money. It's her fault. Well, that means now I can't do anything about it. So why on earth? Even if it's true, why would I do it? It doesn't put me in a better position. So I, I lean pretty hard into the responsibility side. So like, but what you were saying, like when you lose, again, in inverted commas, yes, that's when you learn. And when you, when you win, whatever the winning is, succeed, take your friends out, the ones who supported you. That's why I say always remember where you've come from. Take them out, party with them, reward them. Um, but you know what? That means you're now one day closer to losing again because you will have another crisis. You will have another difficult time. Um, achievers like to say, oh, I'm so frustrated. It's like that, That's code word for you're stressed because you're going through something. But um, don't blame. Don't, don't play the victim. Um, accept responsibility. Tough stuff will happen to you as it's happened to me, as it's happened to, your, to, to yourself. Um, so, because I think that's really what life is about. That got really deep and meaningful. That really did. But on top of that blaming side of it, that's a lot of, I know in myself, like I like to blame <laughs> if someone, you know, does something like actually to worth blame. But when it comes to the pageantry side of things, mm. I realized over the years for myself, especially, I start to accept like, yeah, I did that wrong. Or no, yeah. I didn't. I didn't practice my walk enough. Yeah. I could have done more. Yeah. Like I know I could have. Even when I win national titles, I still watch my my tapes back, watch my videos back. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of think to myself like, 
Hmm, I could have done that better. So for next time, so I'm still trying, even though I've won, even though I've already done it, I've, you know, checked off the box, everything I wanted to do to complete it. I still look at it and say, okay, if I didn't win at this, what could I have done better? Which I know sometimes is a crazy thing, but like I said, I'm a crazy person. I'm cool with it. But with the blame side of it, so many mamas in pageantry, and I am not afraid to say it because my mom, she's done it a time or two, but after we finally like nipped that in the bud, Mm -hmm. like, you know what? It's kind of like accept what I did and we move on from it. Like, nope, I need to do this better next time. And like, that's what it took time. I've been doing this for 18 years. So like it took time to learn that. But some mamas out there are so quick to blame because they think their child is God sometimes. And it's Mm. hard to tell a mom, no, your child didn't smile or your child didn't do this in interview. Like they don't want to hear that they are ever the problem or it may not even be them it's their child is the problem and it's really hard because you want people to grow you want people to achieve great things in life but if like you said you're so they're so quick to blame they now Mm. cannot do anything with that they cannot learn from that because they're like oh it's the director's fault oh it's my pageant coach they didn't work with me long enough it's my makeup artist's fault it's a hair person's fault it's a director's fault it's a system's fault oh no you're all just biased against blondes brunettes (laughs) redheads you know, whites, blacks, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, I can understand it like intellectually. I'm not a parent, so I'm not going to say I can understand it. But obviously, as a parent, you want what's best for your child. Oh, yes. Got that. Now answer me this. Riddle me this. What's best for your child? To keep them completely safe in a world where they think they're completely perfect and God's gift? Or to intentionally and in a controlled manner expose them to hardships so they build up resilience? Now, in a really real way, you put people, young kids in a bubble, you know, the immunity bubble where they never play with dirt, never nothing, don't don't touch dirt, always sanitize this, sanitize that. What happens when they come out of the bubble? No immune system, right? But you take kids who play in the dirt, eat worms, like my brother ate a, a snail once, I had to slap him on the back. But, you know, you do that, that's how you build up your immune system. But the other thing I would say with that is don't ask for feedback if you don't want it. And if your child didn't win, there's a reason. You may not like the reason, but there's a reason. Because I had like in tennis coaching, I, I was giving the, the, the kids like a, a conduct mark out of 10. Not for how well you did, but how much effort you put in, right? How, how good of a student were you in the class? How hard did you try? How supportive were you of the other students? And one of the kids was getting bad marks. I'm not one of those people who will give you a good mark if you were terrible. I will give you a terrible mark, but I will also tell you why so that you hopefully you can do it. You can think of me what I, what you, whatever you want. One of the parents comes up to me and goes, oh, why is my child getting a bad mark? And I said, well, because he's doing badly. She didn't like that. She was sure that it was my fault somehow or that he'd been unfairly treated. I'm like, what's the point of asking for feedback if you don't want it? Like, I mean, you go to in front of a judging panel. If you don't want the feedback, why would you, if you want to go to a coach and you don't want them to tell you what you're doing wrong, why on earth would you pay for the coaching advice? And I'm I'm like Ramsey in that way. Like I want to know, even if I don't agree with it, I want to know what you're seeing that maybe I could improve on or do do better. I may not agree with that. And I might take your advice and go, you know what? Appreciate it. Not for me. But if you're just going to have this automatic defenses go up, whenever whenever anyone says something critical about you, you're never going to learn anything. So that, but that whole blame game, the victim game, that's why I'm so sort of sensitized to it. Because as soon as I do it, if I say, oh, this interview didn't go well because you were a rubbish interview, like, well, then I have no power to change it next time. 
Exactly. So yeah, and that, that's, that's the that's my moral thesis. No, of the I day. love it. Another another thing that just kind of hit me in the face was like, mm, people love to do pageants that give them their comments back. But the mm. second they get those comments back, and it's not that they love that $10,000 gown mama just bought from the dress store a month ago, they lose their mind. They will blow up. <laughs> I have been a national director before, so I know yeah. what this is like. I've seen it. I've judged local pageants. I've judged festivals. So I know being on the judge's side of they want comments, I'm going to mm. give you comments. I will give you my honest opinion you're literally paying for my honest opinion. Be careful, be careful with that honesty. Honesty can get you into a honesty lot of trouble in this and day and age. Things, there's one thing of being honest, but there's also a thing of being, you know, having that constructive criticism. I'm not Tactful. here to yeah. tear your child apart. That's not why no. they're here. They're here to build confidence. They're here to build themselves. They're here to do something. You come to pageants to get something out of it. You don't just come. I mean, there are some yeah. people that just want to get the shiny crown. Well, but yes. there are some people that that is going to build their confidence. They're going to yeah. learn skills from this. By I learned how to do my own hair and makeup. I learned how to have a podcast. I learned how to brand myself. People mm. come to these things for a reason. So when I'm doing comments, I always think about, one, was this the right pageant for them? And so when I'm, you know, I'm writing my comments down, try a national pageant, try a local yep. pageant, try, um, like try a county pageant, try something. Cause you can start to kind of like level set where people are at. It's not that I'm telling you, you're not good for this pageant. Not that at it's all. I'm fit. just saying it's a right I'm, fit. Yeah. I think your fit would be better here. Or mm. when people are wearing a dress, I'm like, Ooh, she would look really good with this high shoulder here or something different. Like yeah. I like to give like beautiful dress. I think that you would also look great in blah 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 mm. like it's like giving them it's like a like a love sandwich you tell them this is beautiful That's a sandwich technique yeah. yeah a sandwich technique my my parents have always done that they've always told me it that way <laughs> you because, find out what they were doing on you you're like what you did this as a tactic like yeah and it exactly. worked you know, it's like, oh, yeah. but that's how and i and i feel bad sometimes because that's really do that is really how i approach things is i tell you this is what i really think is going great However, I really think this could be improvement, but we have plenty of time to do it. Don't I've, worry. I've become a little bit more direct now, only because yeah. very often, very very often when I'm trying to do like a sandwich technique, I I lose track of my train of thought because my brain races a million miles an hour, and it moves faster than my mouth ever could. So if I don't keep up with my brain, I lose my train of thought. So my my default answer now is when someone asks me for feedback, I'll say, "Do you really want to know, or are you just asking?" And mm. but that puts it back in there. Like, do you just want me to tell you blow smoke or do you really want to know what I think? And if they say I really want to know, then it gives me that permission to, and it doesn't mean I'll tear them to shreds because I'm always tactful, but I like just knowing, like, do you really want to know or are you just asking? Because some people mm. ask for feedback and criticism and they're like, as soon as they get something negative, as you said, they, they lose their minds. It's like, why yeah. would you ask me for feedback if you don't want it? Like the logical part of my brain goes, why'd you ask for it if you don't want it? It's like asking for a sandwich and you don't want the sandwich. Well, why'd you ask for it? Um, but that's what I started doing. It's like, do you really want to know or are you just asking? And the coaching clients that I have, um, I don't really announce the coaching publicly because I just like going deep with one person and really helping them, which very often means like multiple sessions or just being there on the Instagram DMs and supporting them through the craziness. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite, one of my clients, uh, she's done very well here in Australia, is one of the major title holders. And she said, your coaching is like a slap in the face. And 
I was asking for a testimonial. I was like, ah, you mean that in a good way, right? And she's like, yeah, no, because that's that's it was so different to what everyone else was saying, and it was honest, but it was tactful, and she could take that on board, and actually she felt like she was getting value from it. Because if someone just says, oh, you're doing everything great, keep doing, everything you're doing is perfect, it's the system's fault. It's the director's fault. It's like, that, well, what am I going to do now? It's, just, it's like telling someone they're perfect as they are. Well, it's like, well, what motivation do they have to get better? Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, that's what I say now. It's like, do you really want to know or are you just asking? And you can see they're a bit take, taken back by it. But then if they say, no, I really want to know, it's like, okay. You know what? That, because I do want to talk about your books before we hop off here. Um, that would be another good title to a book is do you really want to know or are you just asking that'd be a really good one and it's like the story of a pageant girl like honestly like what i think a behind the scenes look of what coaching can look like the good bad and the ugly would be a very interesting take because i know myself i've seen a really great coach i've seen mm. a they gave me some good pointers but i just was never able to grow with them because we weren't on the same path we were not in the same alignment of what systems i was working in or what systems they were used to or working with themselves and then i've seen the bad side of it i've seen the terrible coaches that really is just there for the money and that's hard because you want to go into coaching sessions and stuff like that as okay i'm going to be a sponge i'm going to soak all this up what can i learn from this person and you know it's not not you can't take everything they say as like scripture you can't be like this is the bible of pageantry and that's the hard thing is some people forget and it's okay to work with a bunch of different coaches yeah it's okay and that's what some people get so upset if you work with say i'm working with you as a coach and then i'm working with someone else in america as a coach that's exactly what happened to my friend in texas she said i want to try working with someone else because i feel like you know it'd be another perspective and a chance to grow and the original coach was like uh okay i'm gonna blacklist you and tell everyone that you're terrible yep <laughs> been there done that got the t-shirt um, not a and- um not a mature way of looking at things by the way which no. is why mutual exclusivity like you must only learn from me and from no one else no thank you yes i've learned everything i need to from you part about it because in pageantry i feel like we're all here we all want to learn something we all want to grow or we're we're doing this for a specific reason whether it's to promote something you're working on or whether it's to help yourself yeah. or talk about a platform or really work through something that you may be going through pageantry yep. can help that but some of these coaches they really are here just to beat girls down and because they want to rebuild them and that, well, that is a hard oh, that's structure what, look, that that that's mm. see when they say they do that i'm always like i question it a bit i i think it really comes down to very simply at the end of the day what's your motivation as a, if we're talking about coaches is yes. your motivation really to help someone else or is it really about you like, for example, if this client of yours succeeded and it wasn't with your coaching, it was someone else's, why aren't you now congratulating them? Like, don't, like it, you don't need to dig, you know, too far below the surface to say, hang on, I thought this was your client, but she's working with someone else and she succeeded. She won Miss World, Miss Universe. Uh, you're not congratulating them now. You're not putting on your story. But when they were with you, oh, everything is great. It's like, hmm, interesting. Not working with you. And that, that's, I tell the girls the first, please research before you enter a system because you want to make sure it's a good fit, right? Or for all, and all, all sorts of other reasons, safety reasons. But um, you don't need to dig too far below the surface to find out I probably don't want to have anything to do with this. 
And by the way, if that cuts out 80% of the opportunities, that's a good thing because now you can really focus on the 20% that are worth your time. You know, not just doing something because someone gave you the opportunity is waving like a, a crown at you, like a, someone waves a bone at a dog. It's like, really think about this, right? You as a human are worth something. Treat yourself like someone you want to help. If, yeah. if you were your own client, would you tell yourself to enter that system when you know that you've got set misgivings about it? There's misspellings here. There's over-glamorized this, and it just seems a bit weird. Would you really tell someone that you care about? Yeah, go enter it anyway. It's good. Yeah, good. Just take the crown and run. No. So that ego motivation, I think, is very dangerous with coaching in general, but then in pageantry, for some, like, I'm just thinking about it now, but it's like if you never got that bug out of your system, the need to compete and the need to be on stage, you make a rubbish coach because you make everything about you. And I've seen directors who do this as well. You talk about coaches. Can we talk about directors who can't get their own ego out of the way? Like, I'm sorry, if you're a director and you're parading yourself around on stage all the time when you could be promoting, I don't know, hmm, your contestants, right? Why? Your days are over. You're now a director. Get off the stage. Let the girls take center stage. So ego, but look, again, that's not a pageant thing, right? That That's just us humans in general. But if you can be self-aware to go, you know what? I've moved on from being a contestant. Now I'm a coach or now I'm a director. It should look a bit different. I need to find a deeper motivation. And if you're going to be a coach, you want to help other people grow you want to contribute to them, you've got to get your own ego out of the way. Otherwise, you are a rubbish coach. You might actually have really good skills, but that one thing will really screw it up because at some point, that person's going to, let's say, succeed beyond you and you won't be happy for them. And I say that with your friends as well. Like if anyone listening or watching, if you have friends who won't be happy for you when you succeed, now you have a problem because they're not really your friends. They're only your friends as long as you stay, you play it safe. As soon as you go beyond what they're comfortable with, they judge you, they question you. They say, oh, you think you're such a big deal, right? Oh, you want a crown? You must think you're so, so amazing now. It's like, that's an interesting thing to say. Yeah. Like, you know, this is a lifelong <laughs> dream of mine and you're rubbishing it. I was like, oh, I'm just joking. No, you're not. You're, you're laughing it off now, but no, you're not. So learning who to keep around you particularly in the pageant industry, because I'm just going to say there are a lot of egos. Um, but that's to be expected because to get up on stage in the first place, you need that certain kind of showmanship. You want eyes. Yeah. Like, you, don't, you don't go on stage if you don't want anyone to look at you. I'm just you're right. Yes. Like, you won't go on stage like, no, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I mean, there's some people <laughs> who do that, but you like eyes. No, no problem with that. Go for it. But coaching and directing is a different skill set. And I think that needs a different motivation. And if they don't get it out of their system, and let's say they never quite won the title they wanted, and then they become the coach, and it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't think you should be coaching. No disrespect to your skill, but your motivation, your clients, like you're bragging about it's all about you. It's not about them. And I really, really dislike that. Mm, that was an amazing hot take. I'm clipping this whole part out for itself because this was... <laughs> I'm giving this part out, not letting anyone see it because I'm going to annoy. But it's really, really true, right? Yeah. And it's not just in pageantry. It's just in life in general. If you want to see who your really good friends are, 
succeed massively. Honestly, like if you succeed, blow everything out of the water and then see who's still around you. Then you also see who comes into your circle who dissed you before. It's really, really interesting, but you won't learn any of this if you play it safe. Nope. So that's why you got to go out, go out, go fail, go hard, learn. And like the world would be such, so much a better place if everyone just did the best they could, kept their head down, didn't play the victim and blame game. And if, you know, we're not perfect, but if you were at least self-aware to know, you know what, I know I'm not perfect and this is an issue I have, but I'm going to work on it. And be honest, like, are you letting your ego get in the way? That can destroy everything. And I, I think that's something that's really, I mean, I told you that I read the Bible last year. That's something that's really common to focus for me is that whatever you believe about religion, acknowledging that there's a higher power than yourself, something that's more important and fundamental to the universe than you, that is a huge shift between someone who thinks I'm the be all and end all and all that matters is how I feel. <laughs> yeah. And that that's honestly, and I didn't think that before, but that's, I think, the biggest takeaway someone can just take from reading the Bible is like, it's not just about you. It's not. Yeah, that that is some good stuff. Talking about just you, Adrian. But I want you to tell everyone a little bit about your books that you have available on Amazon that people can look into for pageantry, especially. Um, you have some amazing coffee table books, as well as you have some courses that if anyone is interested in doing their own sort of making a book or getting one mm. published, I would love for you to share that for those out there that are listening. Yeah. Um, so the courses themselves on how to publish a book, um, which I've sent to to yourself, for example, and then on how to publish a children's book or how to publish that coffee table book that you can see behind me. That's a hardcover, full color on the inside. I know a lot of people want to publish a book and a lot of people get stopped because they think it's really, really difficult when it's it's not easy, but it's not nearly as difficult as you think. Um, and those, if you go on Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y or Skillshare, and you just look up my name, um, you'll, you'll, find, you'll find those courses. Some of them are free. Some of them are paid. It's the way of the world. Um, in terms of, so that's a pageant book that I have behind me. That's Confessions of a Pageant Queen 2022 edition, because in 2020, the original Confessions of a Pageant Queen came out. Um, and that has a story of 160 pageant girls from all around the world. Um, put together in two weeks, it's 1,600 pages. I don't recommend doing that unless you don't like being happy. Um, but they're, they're right down there. They did well on Amazon as well. They both cracked the top 10. But they're 800 tomes each, 800-page tomes each. But again, to bring it full circle, that was about telling, to, giving pageant girls a chance to tell their stories. Um, and, you know, it's funny when I think about it now, not all of them really embrace that chance. Some of them saw it as a way to just regurgitate the pageant bio and try and be perfect. And they weren't the interesting reads. The most interesting, because I had to read everything I put in the book, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read 160 pageant bios. The ones that stood out were the ones that were real. Um, and I know that's so cliche. People, people won't hear that. But it's not a victim story, but it's not the, oh, I have to be pageant perfect. It's that in-between where you are authentically yourself and you've gone through the hard times that's how you develop character i always say someone's got a deep character has been through tough times that's how you develop character um but if you can embrace who you are be self-aware and you've learned your lessons like you've failed you've fallen on your face and you haven't blamed someone you've gone what can i learn from this yes falling on your face hurts got that not expecting you to be happy in the moment but what did you learn from it so maybe it doesn't happen again 
And maybe can you pass that lesson on to someone else who's willing? So there are Confessions of a Pageant Queen 2020 was in two volumes because I couldn't fit every one into one volume because a maximum book length is 800 pages and I had 1,600 pages. <laughs> so it became two. That one there is more a labor of love. That's um, 10 pageant queens in there who I respect and admire. That's Miss Universe Ireland on the cover, Nadia Sayers. Um, and she's an amazing person, works in mental health, as is everyone else. Like Marissa Butler is in there, a whole bunch of other people. Well, not a whole bunch, they're 10 people. Um, but I love the books, um, partly because it helps tell stories. But then I have a really strong entrepreneurial bent, as you well know. So try all the side hustles. All the, do you how many side hustles do you have yes that's yes that's my, <laughs> more how than many side i can tell are you doing? in less yes. than five minutes <laughs> yeah it well it's it's really yeah when anyone asks me what do i do i don't know where to start because it's a yeah, lot but it's also continually in flux so it depends when you ask me sometimes it depends on what time of the day you ask me but um again going for it because what other choice is there? Go for it and make a mark. If you fail, actually, no one cares. People are so, oh, if I fail, everyone will judge me. No one's looking at you because they're looking at themselves. So no one cares exactly. if you fail. And that's very, people go, oh, that's not a very supportive thing to say. Oh, look, if you have a friend who supports you or parents, if you have one or two or three people who actually care, you're sorted. I'm not talking about them. But everyone else, they don't actually really look at your stuff. Like they put up their posts, they don't then go look at your posts, they look at their posts, see how many likes, how many comments. So that should be frame. No one, re what a terrible note to end on. No one cares about you, so do whatever you want. But I, I, I take that as it's intended, as in it should be freeing. You're not being judged nearly as much by others as you're being judged by yourself. So yeah. just stop doing that and just move on. Try things, fail spectacularly, but fail forwards, or as they say, fail fast, and um, go create an amazing life, whether it's in pageantry or not. Just, just go do that, because the world's a better place if we're all trying to be better together. Wow, I sound like some sort of TED talk. That was a great TED talk, though. That was <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Well, before we wrap up your TED talk of today, I always ask everyone the same final question. So are you ready for that? Sure. <laughs> All right. In what way has pageants positively impacted you? Well, it's brought amazing people into my life that never, I never would have met otherwise. That is easy enough. <laughs> Said it all in one. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode with Adrian, this has been so awesome. Definitely check out. We have his at name on the screen at the pageant project. He also has a sorority. Adrian, if you want to drop a little bit of information about your sorority as well. Sure. Um, so at the pageant project on all socials, the pageant sorority is our emailing list. Um, I, I kind of started that because I wanted, I like the idea of having pageantry be an ongoing thing. So you join like sorority is for life. And I don't mean you're competing for life. I mean that I wanted to bring a network of women together who could support each other for life because that's what sorority is. Um, so I call it the pageant sorority. It's just an emailing list at the moment, but hopefully we'll be having some in-person events or online events, but really, I'm really hoping for an in-person event, um, focusing on the States, the UK and Australia, if we can get the numbers because pageantry in the States is so much bigger. But I just, I just love to bring everyone together, not to compete, but just to have a good time, meet each other, have a chat because I met so many amazing people 
through doing what I do, and I know you'll resonate with this, and I've never spoken to them in person. And I, I just think that's a shame. And yeah. also, I just want to make sure they're not figments of my imagination. So. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so that's the pageant sorority. If you join that, then you'll get an email from me once a week. I did forget the last one because it was Easter and I was um, several glasses of red Australian, no, red French wine in. Um, and I was like, oh, I forgot the newsletter this week. Oh, but it was Good Friday. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'd really love to bring people together and have some sort of like a pageant convention in person. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd love to be a part of it. And I know we'll be talking again shortly, but thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Crowning Moment. And guys, don't forget to check out Adrian's social media at The Pageant Project. And if you have any more information, please feel free to reach out to him. But thanks so much for joining us on here. It was another great episode of The Crowning Moment. But for now, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys.